When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A what? Uh, a she, soft- my mom worked at a soft surroundings for a while, which is like a, a nice, like, home decor store, you know, for suburban, you know. <laughs> uh, fam- and they had this whole line of, like, it's like plushy velvet pumpkins. Yeah. But with an actual pumpkin stem. So it's year-round pumpkins. Yeah, no, that, that, that definitely looks like something that would come from a suburban home's Store. I got like 12 of them in this room. Like, <laughs> oh, that's mom so cute. I actually last year was in Target and saw a pumpkin like that Um, in, you know, because Target Target does a good job with like their fall stuff. But they, they had do. These, they, they do do a good job. They do do a good job. They also do a good job with like their seasonal snacks. Like they have like yeah. really good autumn flavors and like snacks but i agree i saw in their like decorate home decor their autumn home decor they had like a plushy pumpkin like that Mm. pretty much the exact same thing except the pumpkin was like a was like a uh a very light pink almost flesh tone and then the stem of the pumpkin was like a, it was short and it was like a slightly darker like flesh tone and so it 100% looked like a boob no like, <laughs> i was like how Spooky how did boob. this how did i mean either i mean either it was very intentional you know by someone in the marketing for that object and they were just like it's going out it's going to be hilarious or or someone just missed it completely. Just One of the someone two. really dropped the ball with that because <laughs> it looked one hundred percent like like a boob. Like um, a boob. Look out! Something is going to get you tonight. Let's talk about the thing that's going to get you tonight. Welcome to the Happy Harvest Card Show. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. I'm Corey. And I'm Brian. And this is the Happy Harvest Horse. <laughs> Let's start over. Perfect. That was so good. <laughs> the enthusiasm unparalleled, my friend. <laughs> Ready to go. Oh, my God. That was great. Happy Harvest Horseship. We're excited to be here. (laughs) Today, too excited. This is the Happy Harvest Horror Show, where we get together and talk about all things spooky and creepy and all a little kooky. And today, we, as always, have a very fun topic. Um, But before that, Corey, it's been a few weeks since we've uh, actually recorded an episode. I know. That's why I had so much enthusiasm. I was like, (laughs) oh, yeah, I'm Brian. (laughs) I am Brian. Ah, <laughs> uh, feeling good. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> it's been a few weeks, Corey. How spooky, uh, I guess, has your your time been? So, like, actually really spooky. But then, like, in prepping for this episode, I couldn't remember all the things. But I know there's been a lot of things. Um, I, like, I know there has. But, like, I couldn't remember because it's just been a while since we record mm-hmm. recorded. But But there is one that I remember very well. So I'll just, like, focus on that one. Yeah, let's do it. I watched a movie on Netflix uh, called The Invitation. Mm-hmm. Have you seen this? Have you have you heard of this? Is this is this the uh, the the dinner party one? Yes, it's so good. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's so good with an ending that is just. Mwah! Oh, I know, I know, and it's so my jam like Mm -hmm. it's like cult based horror pretty much like i was like wow fantastic movie yeah i really enjoyed it i was really really just pleasantly surprised because i don't know i think i just there there have been a handful of times recently where i've been like really stoked on a concept for a movie and it's kind of let me down and this This one one i was nails that landing yeah i was like this is this is it. And, you know, as a self-proclaimed like cult expert, it's very, it's just very on the nose. Like it really, I think it really embodies how cult-like thinking preys on people, how it takes a hold of people mm-hmm. and how it can very easily lend itself to tragedy in a very like, you know, obviously it's a horror movie, so it's done in a very like the tragedy is big. The tragedy is big, but um, but I yeah, I liked it because at the end it's like that's not crazy to think that something like that could happen. And I love that it's set in LA. I love that it's set in LA because LA just has such weird culty vibes. <laughs> oh yeah, all the time. All and the time. Just- and All the, the hills time. of LA, which lend to like, I won't spoil for anyone who hasn't seen it, but just leads to like one of the most like harrowing shots, you know, that I was know. like, it was so good. Recent memory. What a great movie. Yeah. Big fan. Yeah. And, and I like to like with it being in LA, I think it's really easy for anyone who has a, you know, vested interest in cults to really quickly chart the connection to like the Manson murders. And then, mm-hmm. you know, like we're, we're, like and then we're seeing this 21st century development of of large scale cults that are able to kind of reach out because of the internet and how they really do grasp large amounts of people and mm-hmm. yeah once again don't want to ruin anything but I, I i think the ending really shines a light on that on like how big of a grasp these cults can have Mm -hmm. um and yeah i i just i thought it was it was i mean like in certain ways it was like a slasher movie it was yeah it was like like and and i think the melding the melding of of the the cult thinking and the approach to that and then to be able to really seamlessly weave in a slasher film and then to come out the other side and it mm-hmm. still all makes sense narratively. I yeah, I was really impressed. I was really happy with it. I was like, this is a good movie. This is a very good movie. Yeah, it's all <laughs> movie. It's on Netflix too. Yeah. So 
It's free. You already have it. The invitation, y'all. Big recommend. Big recommend. Um, big so fan, that was, yeah, that was a big one. Like I said, there was other stuff, and I just can't remember it. I started watching, but I'm not all the way through uh, Fear Street. <gasps> I, uh, the first one or part two? First one. Okay. And and I, I am really enjoying it for a lot of reasons. And I have one huge criticism. Let's hear it's it. It's just me being super annoying. Let's hear uh, it. At the very beginning. So Fear Street number one, 1994. Says yep. it right there. It's 1994. We're, that's the time. That's where we are. The very beginning. Uh, I don't I remember the character's name. But the dude is messaging on AOL Instant Messenger. AIM did not exist yet. <laughs> it did not exist until 1998. And it's AIM because it has the, the AOL Instant Messenger sound. It has the aesthetic. And I was like, don't you try and play me like that. I was alive. Yeah. It did not exist in 1994. Thank I saw you. people go even deeper. They were like, the font that they're using <laughs> did not exist in you that. You can't fuck room. with us like that. You cannot. We were there for it. We were there for when AIM became a thing. Do not try and tell me that that shit was around when I was five years old because it which was is not. like we're we're talking about just so silly stuff. But Fear Street in 1994, we're talking. It hit so many other like slam dunk. Mm-hmm home run nostalgia moments that bits like that do kind of stand out that you're like exactly i think that's why it's frustrating it's because like they're not doing like a hack job like they're 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 really going into like we want to make this the time frame and so if you're setting out to do that like i am going to be watching you like i am going to make sure you get it right like that is something i've realized with myself as I get older, and I, I actually think about this a lot, I wonder if there are older generations, like people who are older than me, that like maybe feel this way about movies from the 80s, right? Like, or oh, the maybe. 70s, because like I wasn't alive for that stuff. So it all is the same to me, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and like sometimes I can kind of pick out things like that just from the fact that like I'm a historian. So I spend a lot of time thinking about like, the different visual aesthetics of history, mm-hmm. but like still it kind of all blends together to me. But like once I get into a time when I was a very conscious human being, <laughs> like, you know, end of the nineties, right? Yeah. Like, like I know what that looks like an and what that, in that. Yeah. But yeah. I experienced that. Like you are not going to get shit past me. Like I am going to like, really nitpick so i don't know if that's just because i'm at an age now where i can do that because we're at a time where period pieces are being made about times when we were alive isn't that but oh man you're so right that period (laughs) piece is about oh my god i know age 10 years you saying that like (laughs) and it's wild but but like from my perspective, I'm like, I want it. I want it to be flawless. And so, yeah, yeah, it also makes me wonder, though, are movies that are set in the 70s, like are people who are alive in the 70s, like picking them apart and being Maybe. like, not this. This didn't exist yet. That didn't like, happen. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, I also wonder that the access to props in the 70s 
was probably a lot you know, easier to get than now. Than nowadays, making things in the seventies maybe a little it's a bit harder. You need to yeah. actually be a historian at this point instead of just you know ask your aunt, you know, like yeah. you know, or someone <laughs> right. like. That reminds me of um, a really great tweet I saw uh, recently that was like, it showed a picture of basically, you know, our current 21st century conception of like the 80s aesthetic. Yeah. Um, and it was like a, a girl and she's wearing like day glow and like, you know, the knee highs and like that whole look yeah. that pretty much everyone has done at like Halloween at some point, you know, the, the, Yeah. Um, kind of day glow exercise, 80s vibe, side ponytail, right? Right. And that has become kind of what we are like, that's the 80s, right? Like we have decided that that was the 80s. And that's not entirely false. Like day glow was a thing, like leg warmers. And wasn't like all- just that though. Yeah. Know? And so there was in this tweet, there was a picture of that, like this kind of costume 80s look. Right. It was like what everyone... Um, like thinks the eighties were, and then there was a picture that was like what the eighties actually were, and it's oh, it's so good. It's just a picture of this like yellow brown kind of like a uh, glass ashtray at a McDonald's, and, <laughs> yeah. and like, and then someone was like, it was uh, and then the caption was like, like I am old enough to remember how fucking brown the 80s were. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, like, I mean, Everything was brown. I, was born, I was born at the very tail end of the 80s, but like, yeah, like that, you know, I remember early 90s and like, I, it, it, it that makes sense to me. It's like, it it was brown. Like, it yeah, was yeah, that, like fluorescent. Shaggy colors. carpets, you had brown wainscoting walls, you had brown, like, everything was brown. You had yeah. brown station wagons. And, and people were smoking cigarettes at McDonald's, and that was like... <laughs> and that was the 80s. But, like, the 80s were actually, like, very hazy and brown in a lot of ways, and but we have this conception of them as bright colors and, like, you know... Um, so it's interesting. It's interesting how yeah. we decide to repackage the way a decade looked. Yeah. And I think Fear Street is a really fun way to just watch that play out. I agree. I agree. Fear Street was one of the things I was going to talk about, too, because I've seen both the, the, the first two parts. Third part coming out this weekend. So we haven't seen it yet. I'm so excited. So excited. I think it's so good, though. I think it's. I think it's so fun. I think it's, that's, that's what I want to hone in on. Cause there's, there's, you can talk about things here and there, but at the heart of it, it's just a fun slasher movie, you know, that like, yeah, no, I totally agree. And I just love the con. Like, I love the concept. Mm-hmm. I love the concept of like, like you said, I'm only on part one and I'll, I'll finish it tonight. Um, but like from the very beginning, yeah, it's like slasher, very, very much inspired. Like it's scream, right? It's inspired. Very by, scream. Yeah. And and that makes sense because that was the heart of the 90s slasher, right? Yeah. You know, so it's like it's taking you on this really fun horror tour. Mm-hmm. Um, and, oh, yeah. And making the horror. Yeah. Central to what was the the heart of horror of, of that time and like yeah, I, I, I wanted agree. to be scream then yeah 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 the concept is super fun very 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 smart and it's all based on like 
young adult books too, which I am also a huge fan of that. I, I never read the fear street books. I read goosebumps growing up, but I never read fear street, but I know that they're, you know, they're just like the next step up from goosebumps from RL Stein, that book series. And I love that then in the movie three part Netflix trilogy, they were talking about fear street. They're like, yeah, these are not going to be young adult. They're, we're going hard R, you know, these yeah. like, <laughs> which I, I love. Cause it's like goosebumps will always be spooky kid, you know, world but i feel like i don't know i love that it's catering to an audience that grew up with fear street and the audience that loved fear street are now all adults and they probably all remember it a lot more gnarly than it probably was and so like making it this hard r slasher that's so fun you know that's another thing i want to and that's that's smart like i've had this conversation before too like if you want to do anything that is like lineage or a reboot for, and we are, we live in the land of reboots right now. We bring them up all the time. I think for them to succeed, you always have to be catering to the audience of the original. Like you have to, and that doesn't mean that people outside of that audience won't enjoy it, but you, I think for them to be really successful, you have to be thinking how old like is the like the audience that was the original of of this thing how old mm-hmm. are they now and what would they like to see now and when when people yes. do that in creating a reboot that's when you get something really good i think yeah i think so and i think it's really good i think it's super fun part 2 is just like that i mean like part 1's 90s part 2 is 78 so it's a very friday the 13th camp horror you know slasher um but it was it was getting at a second ago is that like we live in a you know, horror has never been hotter in our lifetime, you know, that like right then, right now it's in the zeitgeist. It's being taken seriously and like Oscars are nominating it now. Things mm-hmm. like Lovecraft country just got 18 nominations for the beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. Like it's, it's, but, but these are all instances of like a 24 has created the serious horror. Yes. Which, a, I mean, a 24, like a 24 is actually like, Oh, well, like, <laughs> they created and I it's to know, you know, not talking down a 24. Cause I love, I love the fucking witch. I love, you know, lighthouse. I love a lot. All, most of the, A24 I know horror. like a lot of my favorites are a 24 for sure. But also I don't think that that should be all it is, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And I think that maybe for for a while in its its resurgence, we've been stuck in like it has to be really mumble, quiet, dark, really gripping. And when I remember earlier this year in the pandemic, when I saw the drive-in uh, Freaky, the slasher, like a Freaky Friday with Vince Vaughn and he switches like places, I was like, this, this is what I, I want. I want more fun, just like yeah. This bonkers. It doesn't like great soundtrack. Just go like, no, there always, always, always needs to be room for camp. Like camp is like camp is joy. Like camp is good. And every, I mean that, you know, beyond horror, but definitely in the horror realm as well. Camp is camp is good. (laughs) And I think we're, we're, we're finally getting there that like, Mm -hmm. we're now embracing that part, you know, that like that, that, that it existed. We've had, you know, homage movies the last few years, of course. And like, um, I don't know, but I'm just, I'm excited that that now this is being made too. And I bet this, I mean, just like Scream influenced a lot of people. I bet now this is going to influence people down the line. Totally, just, totally. No, I completely agree. Like I, yeah, like I said, like a lot of my favorites are the, I like the, I like the serious, heavy, quiet, dark folk horror. I, of it, course. 
it speaks it. to me on an incredibly deep level, but I, um, I don't know. I feel like my instinct is to go astrology here. Cause like I'm a Scorpio sun. So I like the deep heavy shit, but I'm a Leo rising. So I fucking love camp. <laughs> like, like I want to have fun too, you know, yeah. like I want to party and like the camp approach to horror. It's, it's just important because I, part of what makes horror healing sometimes is when you can look at it in that playful you know, just absurd, campy way. When you can and like so, embrace, and you, when you, you kind of like, you can hug what you're afraid of, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. Way. Yeah, <laughs> but like when it's, it would, yeah. So anyway, I think Fear Street is doing that right now. It's very fun. Yeah. It's like, and gnarly too. And to say not fun, I, when I say fun, I don't mean like, you yeah. know, like a, um, oh, this is a cute movie. I mean, like there's no kills straight in- out the gate on the first one on mm-hmm. 1994. Like that first scene is, that's some heavy slasher action. Like I don't know, you I you haven't I won't spoil it because you said you haven't finished it, but there's a kill later in the movie towards the end that is an all timer that like oh wow slasher fan Brian over here blushed a bit, you know, <laughs> like like oh my god, you can't believe you did that. Um so anyone who hasn't seen Fear Street, that's my hype up for you. So yeah, I mean this is uh welcome to the Happy Harvest Horror Show where we talk about Fear Street and how how great it is. Um I mean once once it cycle through do you know how many there are even supposed to be like how many parts are supposed to be there's three this Just friday three? is the last part yeah oh, okay trilogy Maybe. hopefully they'll make more i mean there's plenty of fair street books right and i'm pretty sure this is so is the next well. one gonna be like from the 50s is that first first one is 1994 part two is 1978 part three is 1666 takes I'm place at the this like the puritan village where it all started up. with the witch yeah shut up i'm super excited about that like super excited about that also now i'm like i wish there was more though because i feel like doing like 50s 40s like classic oh, yeah. black and white horror could have been super cool you know Hopefully they do. Hopefully they, 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 they do it more, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. Like like Vincent Price energy. Right to your like, local Netflix and say, more, please. More yeah. Ovaltine, please. Oh, I'm excited. I'm, I'm already excited to finish after we're done recording this episode, but we should probably... Get we should probably get the- into the topic of the episode. I had, about, I had a good spooky week. It was a lot of this. I saw some other movies, but whatever. You know, <laughs> we love horror. Let's get into it. <laughs> whatever. It's fine. Um... Uh, today we are talking about a really fun topic that interestingly is just like a topic that I, I don't know. I didn't really know much about this world. It's not a world I've spent a lot of time in, but like, it's been fun kind of, uh, diving into, um, but before we do that, shout out to our supporters who are also mm-hmm. book club members because we're doing happy harvest Show book club which is next week on uh, july tw- 21st oh, 21st 21st yeah and 21st. we for our first month of book club we read a head full of ghosts i'm obsessed with it personally i loved this book but um yeah, we're doing for our supporters in our in our Happy Harvest Horror Show community, we're doing a little monthly book club where we pick a book every month, we read it, and then at the end of the month, we'll do a Zoom and we're all going to hang out and talk. Um, the Zoom for this month will be July 21st, and anyone who is a supporter 
can receive that link if you would like to join the book club become a happy harvest horror show supporter at any level as low as 99 cents a month help support us making this content and then yeah just shoot us an email and be like sign me up for the book club and we'll get you on the list and we're super excited we have a really nice crew of people that are gonna are a part of it already this first month so we got a cool group we got a cool group brian do you want to give give shout outs to our yeah, good shout out to some new members too. Um, so our full list of now supporters is Jenny, Julia, Whitney, Jody, Keith, Erica, Jody, Wendy, Morgan, Michelle, Jennifer, Jody, and Aaron. Thank you all so much. Man, that was a list. That's exciting. You I know? know that is exciting. We're welcome so happy all. Thank that you, you all so here. much for the support. Can't wait for the book club and uh we'll announce uh, after next week what the next book is for next month. Um exciting should be fun this is exciting yeah and so if you want to support like our wonderful crew of people head over to anchor.fm slash hhhs slash support there's options there for you you can throw all your money at us if you want we will not uh, just 99 cents yeah 99 cents or all of it whatever feels good to you there is an option I want to give all my money (laughs) to the Harvest Horror Show. Um, But yeah, check it out. And um, yeah, let's take a quick break. And then we're going to come back. And we today we are talking about the classic horror host, the horror TV host. Like, it's a whole thing, you guys. So we're going to get into it in just a minute. We've returned. Happy Harvest Horror Show. And uh, tonight we're talking about horror hosts. Yeah, late night TV horror hosts. Those really fun local news station hosts that would introduce some spooky B-movies. Yeah, Um, it's such a like... So like when you propose this topic... Those, because it's not something I I have spent a lot of time watching or like, right. yeah, I, I I don't have a ton of back knowledge on on horror hosts. But my my instinct, the first thing I thought of, there were two things: um, Crypt Keeper, Tales from the Crypt, one hundred percent, like mm-hmm. you know, puppet corpse horror love. host, love it. So that popped into my head. And then the second thing was uh, Bill Hader as Vincent Price. On Vincent Saturday Price. Night Live. It? And I was like, yeah, I think that's what a horror host is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it started. It's kind of fun looking into it because um, it started as a, a collection, a package of pre-1948 classic horror movies from Universal Studios that was released for television syndication, marketed as shock feeder. So like there's all these movies that are now ready to just old movies and we're going to package them all. And it was encouraged that um, you would have some sort of host introduce them. And so local TV stations would often just have their own costumed personality. It's largely accepted that the first host that really kind of gave the, the blueprint for how to do it was vampira and 
she was rad. She was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like just like her whole vibe. I, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. And the fact that it was like the 1950s, like I'm, I'm, I don't know everything about that. I'm just like, this is amazing. Like (laughs) the fact that this existed in the 1950s is amazing to me. Oh yeah, totally. And it, it got re, you know, it re uh, invigorated interest in all these movies too. Cause like television was now like accessible form. And like, we have all this, these movies that we can now release on TV. And it was like a fun event every night. Vampira fucking rad though. She was, uh, I think, I think like my instinct, obviously I, I didn't exist in the fifties. I didn't, I wasn't alive. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't, know what the 50s were like if you were alive in the 50s please write in and tell us but i don't know but my like i just think 1950s i just think like leave it to beaver right like and so the idea that large amounts of people were excited by this this horror host who really leaned into this look very similar to um, Morticia Adams and mm-hmm. like, you know, was talking about horror films and that that was like a somewhat mainstream thing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, oh, yeah, like kind of niche, but like kind of mainstream that just like, I don't know, it kind of like messes with my concept of what late night TV and the average American home in the 1950s was like. Yeah, well, I think for families, I bet there's a lot of kids that, you know, gather around at, late at night and it was, oh, this is cool. I'm like this late night and it's being presented by a very spooky, like, you, you character that you take is real. When many times it was just local weatherman that just like threw yeah. on a wig or something. But I love that even too. Like the extent to which the public television horror host was a thing for decades really kind of blows my mind like it really is it's wild like it was like it was a thing and i from just like my research i feel like it was like a very midwest thing it's big Big in chicago big in chicago there was another big one i found that was out of kansas city um Mm -hmm. and yeah i don't know just this like this concept of this campy personality showing these very like kind of lower tier horror movies on public access television is just yeah right it's super interesting <laughs> well it was super popular uh, ratings skyrocketed thanks to a lot of this some uh, in some markets it would raise by 300% some by 1500% thanks to things like shock theater and because it was so successful they eventually um had a follow-up creature feature which was then you know 60s films that um included a lot of you know science fiction a lot of monster movies a lot of uh british horror movies and uh night of the living dead uncut because we know that he didn't have the rights so (laughs) you know show that everywhere all the time everywhere all the time it can be in any movie you want it's public domain i Uh, could just splice it into this video right now (laughs) welcome to night of the living dead everybody they're coming to get you barbara the video is four hours because we just put night of the living dead right here and then we'll pick it up right here at the end too (laughs) 
<laughs> <That'd be> amazing. <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah. I also love that the, the second before creature feature, the second package of films released for syndication uh, was called son of shock. So we had shock shock theater and then son of shock. So even like the package itself was like a fun, like spooky, you yeah. know, uh, lineage. This also, I mean, because of this, we're, we're focusing on the host, but this gave an entire generation this likely kept Dracula, Frankenstein, Mummy, you know, the classic monsters in the cultural, you know, awareness. Instead of them being like, you know, museum pieces, we'd look back. It's probably kept horror, at least at least the framework that we understand it today, alive. Totally, like- totally. Like, yeah, that's like I said, I... I- I didn't I didn't grow up with horror hosts aside from like like I said Crypt Keeper is like the one that I relate to but I in doing this research I'm just like this was like a continuous thing for decades that I think really kept the kind of American uh interest in horror very very much, yeah, very much alive, very much like continuous and and yeah, just thinking of the the way in which it's presented, the fact that we're talking like public access television, like so many people that probably would never have had an interest in horror probably probably got like enraptured by it, and yeah, totally, and- I know I would have been i mean <laughs> i i I sadly didn't also didn't grow up local news we didn't tune in for that i mean 90s this was largely kind of dying out mm-hmm. um i, yeah, do I feel like i feel like the 80s was like the last big heyday for the television Hurrah. horror host because there was like a lot of them in the 80s totally um, and then they also i mean they're still around there's still some around today we'll talk about the ones that are still hanging on and they're they're rad but yeah. i remember one one guy that we were we'll talk about a little more later was Joe Bob Briggs and he had was on Monster Vision on TNT. So it wasn't even a cable access, you know, you know, like a local station. It was TNT. And I just remember, you know, late at night being at my dad's house or whatever and tuning in. And I'm like, what is this? What is this world that like you know, what is you know, happening? What is happening? <laughs> yeah, really, right? Because you know, you're you're a kid and you're yeah. early 90s and you got your your Disneyfied movies, and then you got this, what is this movie? And who is this personality you know that loves it? Yeah. Yeah, this is why I'm gonna keep kind of coming back to the Crypt Keeper. I feel like the Crypt Keeper was that for me because I that was like Tales from the Crypt was not a children's show. And I 100% watched it as a child. Like, <laughs> and I think I definitely had a big, like, what, what is this? What like, is this? What right? the fuck is happening? <laughs> like, um, and so like, to me, in my just life experience, Crypt Keeper continued that lineage in a very important way. Sure. But sure. just kind of took on a new... Like I said, it's a puppet corpse now. It's no longer like like a person on public access television. Right, and, and it's all for original, you know, Tales from the Crypt is all original stories too that he was introducing. So it wasn't even like they were, it was sprucing up old content and re-releasing it in a fun way. It was like now the host is so ingrained in our, you know, horror framework that that, of course we'll have a puppet introduce it. And of course it'll be the, the what the the parents of the crypt keeper do you remember what they were the crypt keeper 
<laughs> That's him. That's him. Is fictional ghoul. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> fictional ghoul. <laughs> Not to be confused with the, the real ghouls of our uh, character and origin. Here we go. It is revealed that the Crypt Keeper's parents are Enoch, a carnival sideshow freak with two faces, and a 2,000-year-old mummy. Yeah. So, yeah, that tracks. <laughs> but this is like, of course this is the puppet. This is, of course this is. So Crypt Keeper is my horror horror host, like, of my reality. And that makes perfect sense because, like, I grew up in the golden age of like Muppets, you know, like, right. and Muppets mean, you know, this Muppets mean everything to me. I'm obsessed they mean with Muppets. literally everything to you. Yes. <laughs> they, they really do. But, oh, Muppets, Jim Henson, like mean everything to me. And something, so, it just feels right that our hor- horror host would be a, would be a fictional ghoul puppet. <laughs> He's our hero. We didn't deserve him, but we got him. I know, right? And we were lucky enough. Uh, we we went to Salem, and we went to a panel where we got to see. I can't the think voice of the crypt keeper. Yeah the 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 dude who voiced the crypt keeper, and he was really fun. He was really it's fun. Really cool. Yeah, it was, it was really a fun cool. panel too. They went through like our the top twenty uh, tales from the crypt moments, whatever you know. That show um, is banger, you guys. Tales from the Crypt is banger. It's such it a good show. It is so good, and it is a criminal that we got HBO <laughs> Max, and it's all HBO, HBO Go, HBO, all this. And Tales from the Crypt is this neglected gold mine. You know, they have seasons mm-hmm. and seasons of just gold, and they are not, you know, releasing. I bet it's just a rights issue that is a nightmare. But like terrible. If you want to yeah, watch, and him, I remember when we went to that panel, the. I wish I could remember his name. The dude who played um, the Crypt Keeper talked about how like that was at like when when HBO was really becoming a thing mm-hmm. and how like Tales from the Crypt was actually like big in HBO being HBO. Oh, totally. And it was super formative for a lot of people's careers. You know, we're getting act- you know, we're getting to the weeds here of Tales from the Crypt. But like, yeah, that like uh, we need to do a future Tales from the Crypt episode. Like, we'll, we'll talk just- about it there. <laughs> Yeah, we'll talk about it more later. Back Um, to horror hosts that tells the script. Yeah, just wanted. I just wanted to give give love to Crypt Keeper because that's that's my horror host. Like, um, like gonna tell my kids this was (laughs) you know the horror host like situation. Um, but yes, let's let's back it up. Let's go back to um. Uh, Vampira? Vampira, yeah, and like, because that story is fascinating. It is. Uh, real name, Mela Nurmi. Is that how you would pronounce that? Uh, I I think it was Myla. Myla Nurmi. Nurmi. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I'm so sorry that I don't have the correct. <laughs> I'm so so sorry. <laughs> so sorry. I'm such a dummy. Um, uh, Myla, she the the idea was formed um, partly inspired by Morticia Adams. Interestingly, inspired by Morticia Adams, but inspired by the comic, right? Because Mm -hmm. this is before the show even existed. Before we had any of that. Yeah. So it was So it was inspired by the comic by Charles Adams, which we talked about on our Adams Family episode. Inspired by the comic, but the comic, they didn't have names. So she was Morticia Adams before Morticia Adams. (laughs) 
Isn't is that crazy? Wild, right. <laughs> and she also not even just that. She was also uh, mixed that with the queen, evil queen from Snow White and Seven Dwarves, um, which also, to my knowledge, didn't have a name either. You know, but mm-hmm. so we got two spooky ladies. We're gonna meld them into a horror host. Of just like a super, you know, a long black dress. Uh, she would introduce um, herself by basically, you know, coming towards the camera and a, in a, you know, in a darkened face, and then the fog's coming through. And then she would scream in the camera, and then she would laugh, and it would like a whole, you know, on edge no, thing, and the, it was a whole persona. The images, just like even like the stills from Vampira, are gold, like because black and white. 50s and it's just it's yeah her look is perfect and you have like the candelabras she's on the victorian couch yeah yeah, it's the fog going through yeah yeah it's it's beautiful it's beautiful it's wonderful Uh, but it only ran for a year the vampire show um which was the first kind of example of you know doing the shock theater and introducing the movies and she also kind of introduced the mocking of the b movies too mm-hmm. when she would introduce them she would make fun of them while also making like ghoulish puns and like talking you know um i'm all about the puns you know we'll get we'll get into the horror host but i'm all about the puns the puns are huge for the horror yeah. host and also i think we need to give attention to the fact that like yes it that that was part of the the horror host kind of template was that you're kind of making fun of these like b-level horror movies but like it's done in a very playful way yeah and also without these horror hosts these movies would have disappeared a lot of them would have disappeared. isn't that weird to think that like by making fun of them it all it almost gives people permission to enjoy them you know yes one I mean? um, that and that is kind of the beauty in this whole setup it's like oh like it gives a new life to mm-hmm. movies that would have just disappeared and then they can continue on and then yeah i i totally agree i i find that super fascinating about the the horror host concept like my instinct here is like twilight right like it makes sense to me to think of the cycle of um twilight super huge we all you know like us teens when twilight hit it was big and then we we went through a phase where it was like i'm a hipster twilight's dumb like i'm pushing you know like fuck twilight like making fun of twilight and then it's like now we're back around twilight and it's like we 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 let it live on by going through these cycles and i think it's a really lovely representation of what was going on with these horror hosts hundred percent. Yeah. I think we're definitely to the point now too, where we can now it's okay to like things, you know, yeah. <laughs> like we're now we're finally back, you know, like we're, and we're kind of shedding this. Um, thank you. Thank you. Part of me that had to put on this role to make fun of it, to like it, you served your purpose. Like in yeah. therapy, I say, thank you. And I let you go. <laughs> or I don't need you now. Now thank I can. You. Thank you. Now I can fully just, you know. I love that. I love the idea of playfully making fun of a film as a form of appreciation. I think Mm -hmm. that's actually very beautiful. Like, like you're kind of thanking it in in a way, right? Like, right. um, And I think that's embodied by these like horror hosts in a certain way, because without these movies, they don't exist, you know? 
that's real. That's real. And they kept alive too. Now we're still talking about them, you know? Right. Right. Thank you. Cycles, Thank you. baby. Cycles. Like. Cycles. <laughs> but sadly, she only did a vampire. She only did it for a year. Uh, later in life, they tried to bring back her show um, and she was going to be an executive producer on it. Um, but she didn't agree with who was going to replace her. She did because they did not consult her who was going to cast in the role of Vampira, who turned out to be Elvira. <gasps> Scandal. And so she couldn't use, Elvira couldn't use the name Vampira. So she made the name Elvira, which Nermi took Elvira to court because you stole my character and the court ruled that like, just because it looks like you doesn't mean it's actually like that. Uh, it's not a, the exact representation, which is also kind of ironic because Vampira was also based on other characters too. With the, yeah. With the I child. would honestly, I would agree with that ruling. I don't think Elvira and Vampira are the same thing. Like That's I think true. they have different yeah. energies. They've, visually do look similar in a lot of ways but i i don't get the same vibe from them so it's like and that's a hard thing to determine you know to what extent are is it copying you know a previous character um i do before we move on to elvira though i want to mention about vampira that it's been it's basically been proven that the depiction of Maleficent Mm -hmm. in the film Sleeping Beauty in the 1959 film was based on Vampyra. She was the model for it. Yeah. That's amazing. That's cool, right? That's so cool. So it's like she was, she was both Morticia Adams before Morticia Adams. Mm -hmm. And she was the model for Maleficent? Like, are you kidding me? And she got the idea also partly from another Disney princess movie with Snow White and the Evil Queen. So it just like, we love art just feeding on itself. This I know, it's always beautiful. Hungry dragon. It makes yeah. me so fucking excited. Like, I love, I love it. I love these interconnections. Yeah, that's so baller. That's so badass. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. Also, fun tidbit before we move on. Uh, uh, I talked about the drama with Elvira, but I'll, she... Uh, had a child with Orson Welles. Did you know? Hey, but that was while when he was married to Rita Hayworth. So the child was given up for adoption. Um, I don't know what happened to the child. Yeah, do we know the child? As if the, the child... child is in our audience. Yeah, are you out there? Are you out there? <laughs> like, as anything? Damn, that's wild. That's yeah. That's drama. It? Yeah, that's juicy, juicy gossip on the Wikipedia, you know, right. from many years ago. Right. Uh, that was Vamp- Vampira. We also got Elvira. Um, Cassandra Peterson is the person out the actress behind the persona. Who also, when we were in Salem, she was there too. For that panel with the dude who voiced the Crypt Keeper, we ended up having to wait quite a while because in the exact same building, like we literally walked right past it. Cassandra Peterson, Elvira, was doing autographs and the line was insane. Not so line. We thought the line was going to what we were going to and found out we were in the wrong line. <laughs> yeah. Happily, we were in the wrong line because that line was nutso. But also we were like, I kind of want to be in this line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the line was insane. And so the panel had to wait because they were like, they knew a lot of people who bought tickets for the panel. We're still we're in waiting in line to get Elvira's autograph. So yeah, just all, like uh, 
just uh, layers here. Inception. <laughs> layers on layers on layers. <laughs> that What's all your... happened in a hotel in Salem. Like, <laughs> <laughs> which makes sense, you know. Like, yeah, yeah, totally does. It sounds about right. Um, what is uh What's your connection to Elvira? Do you have um, one? So I like when we were in Salem, like I, I knew who she was. Like I, I knew what the big deal was, but like, once again, I, I haven't really like watched her or like watched her shows or anything, but like I knew who Elvira was in doing research and kind of getting more into it. I, understood the the lineage from vampira to elvira and i was like okay so this is more of like a modern day take um and then i watched some of the her first show the uh movie movie macabre Mm -hmm. which the first season's on peacock so if you want some real classic horror host energy you can go to peacock and watch the first season um and i was watching some of it and my instant take was just like spooky bimbo energy which is a big energy like i like right now the bimbo is back like bimbo energy is big right now so i was like this is powerful (laughs) powerful powerful she's definitely playing it you know as we said has a similar look to vampira Mm -hmm. um and is doing a similar thing you know, she's she's playing these old horror films and kind of making fun of them, making puns. But there's definitely an element. I mean, like just from a physical standpoint, like her boobs are very like out there and like it's very the cleavage is a big part of the costume. Yeah, yeah. for real. It's very intentional. You know, it's like that's that's part of the look. And her vibe is is kind of bimbo y, right? Is kind of like very much, yeah. Um making these silly jokes and like yeah, which I think is such was, a, yeah. a fun di- you know, duality, like like the spooky heaviness of horror meets the campy bimbo silly energy. Like exactly. it makes sense to me that it works. Like it's it's very smart. Yeah. All the innuendos, all the, you know, it it's very much the puns and the innuendos kind of go hand in hand. There was uh I I went back and rewatched Mistress of the Night. Um rewatched watched for the first time. I've actually never seen it. It was one of the first of her two movies. And that's I think I got a fuller knowledge of who she was from that and and the 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 kind of the, 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 the very like almost self I don't know that's appreciating what's the I, I guess there is a self-deprecation about yeah her. you think so yeah I do think so um but like an intentional one like right. you know it's not it's like it's it, it works it's like in a it's in a playful enough way that it's it's not like it's campy. It's campy. Like, yeah, it's very campy. Um, um, it's also, it's also a lot, you know, like mm-hmm. it's, it's, it is. Whereas I feel like it is the opposite end of the, of the Elvira and Vampira, right? They're, they're opposite ends of this, uh, where you can take that character. Whereas Vampira which, was very, you know. Which makes sense because movie macabre came out, uh, or ran 1981 to 1988, right? Yes. So think about 
think about the time frame. Think about America in the 80s. Like her her character fits the time frame that she existed in, which means it's intentional, which means it's very smart, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, whereas yeah, Vam Vampira was doing something a little um, more subdued, not yes, as yes, explicit. subdued. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I agree. But like the eighties, the eighties were not about subdued. Like that is no. not what the eighties were about. I mean, ultimately, like mad respect. I think it's brilliant. I think she's created a really brilliant career for herself. Hell yeah, she has, <laughs> and it's still going. I mean, like I know, still... like she's doing amazing. I'm like, fucking get it, girl. That's incredible. She I still love looks it. amazing too. Like, yeah, that, I know. Character <laughs> still, you know, so. Yeah, they did um, in 2014, they did a 13 Nights of Elvira where they brought back the original movie macabre uh, format and they did like a 13 Nights with her. And it's not currently on Hulu, but like I have to say Hulu is like so good about Halloween. Like Hulu, there is someone there is someone that is high up at Hulu that really fucking cares about Halloween. <laughs> Hulu's low-key, like, great finds for horror, too. Uh, oh, They 100%. got that IFC Midnight locked. They got a lot of indie, a lot of lower-budget movies that are great have made it to Hulu recently. And yeah, like, and... Don't and sleep on do, Hulu with horror. Not at all. Yeah, like, exactly. I, I feel like I end up seeing some really good horror on Hulu. Um, I feel like they have really good series like before we were recording we we're talking about castle rock like i think yeah. castle rock's brilliant and then they canceled it like a bunch uh, of dumb. cowards um but <laughs> a bunch of cowards and but then they also do every year they do huluween mm-hmm. and i love huluween because they just create this really like it's a whole page just dedicated to like halloween stuff and they even like set up the Halloween episodes of like sitcoms and it's just, it's, it's so great. good. Yeah, Someone at Hulu really cares about Halloween and I appreciate it. <laughs> and I love them. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they did 13 nights of Elvira back in 2014. Um, but you can watch it on prime apparently. So I don't know, maybe, maybe check that out. But, but all that to say Elvira Sandra Peterson uh, has created a, a really cool little niche for herself. Um, yes. Very well loved in the horror circuit and is still is still doing it is still making shit. And I think it's it's really baller. Yeah, totally. Totally. Before we get too much into the present, also from these film uh, hosts, these horror hosts of late night, also spurned, because like, we have renewed interest in classic monsters, the magazine Famous Monsters of Filmland, which was a big thing. Um, it started in 58. The magazine would, would give like exposés, a lot of stories, a lot of pictures, you know, of classic monsters. It was like a great like find, you know, you can go and like keep it going, keep this interest going. And thanks to this magazine, we now, you know, we have magazines like Fangoria. We've got Rook Morgue. We have it's all thanks to this, which is all thanks to the horror host, you know, shock feeder craze. So it's cool just marking lineages where they are like the Fangoria magazine that I got sitting right here is largely thanks to down the line horror mm-hmm. hosts so yeah thank you <laughs> thank you thank you so yeah so we have vampira the original elvira also huge very much connected to vampira but then we have you know we have offshoots too um we got to talk about Svengoolie. oh yeah totally <laughs> 
So Chicago based, this is what I was saying about like Midwest before. I feel like there's a lot of horror hosts that came out of the Midwest. Like, cause it, they get it. They get, yeah. We're just here and like hanging out in the winter. It makes sense to me that like these horror hosts were like showing up on like Midwest public television, you know? <laughs> And we ate it up. Sven Gulli was a horror show icon in Chicago. So still is too. Yeah. Yeah. He's still going for it. Still. When we did research, I watched, uh, I can't remember what the movie was. Um, it was something, it was some sea creature movie, but it was the last weekend I was watching and I just watched like a few, like an hour of him. And I'm like, this is rad. I love it. It's, it's, he's, he's, if you haven't seen Sven Gulli, Highly recommend just looking him up. He's still on MeTV. Um, you can look up things online, um, past recordings and whatnot. And he's got this face paint. Um, he it, he has this vaudeville act where uh, cameramen throw rubber chickens at him. And he is just like a, a gold mine of information on the, you know, obscure movie that they're showing, which I so appreciate, you know, like uh, going back to an earlier conversation about um, – you know, we went through the mocking phase and now we're in the appreciation phase and that's what I really love. And so I love watching a host that's like, yeah, we're talking about this 1948, you know, black and white movie that's, a, you know, about this creature. But I'm going to tell you so much about, you know, how it was made and I'm like eating it up. So that's what I really appreciate about him. I love that he's he seems so jazzed and interested in it. Um, so much so that the Rondo Horror Awards, he's been voted favorite horror host multiple times so we're not alone a lot of people like him yeah Uh, he seems very playful he seems like a lot of fun and the current one is the second is the successor the the original Sven was in the late 70s and the current one um uh rich cause is his name he took over in april 2011 and he's killing it still going for it still making it happen I love it. Yeah. So big fan of Sven Gulli. Um, also, he doesn't, I mean, other than the makeup and like the kind of the, the jokes and the vaudeville, he doesn't have like a spooky voice. He's just like telling you facts while in makeup. It's <laughs> endlessly charming. I love him so much. <laughs> um, there's also, uh, it would not be the Happy Harvest Horror Show if I did not mention Shudder. At least once. Yeah, truly. So here we Why go. Why aren't they paying us? <laughs> I don't know. They probably have a good reason, but they haven't told me. Um, they so everyone needs to contact Shutter and tell them to start paying us. <laughs> We're getting an email from Shutter and going, "Who are you? <laughs> Why?" Um, and a couple years ago, in 2018, Shutter brought back. Let's actually let's rewind. I'll I'll get to the shutter. Let's rewind talk about Joe it. Bob. All right, that was my re- rewind sound. Whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> let's talk about whoop, Joe Bob. Whoop 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 Because <laughs> he is he's another current. I would say of the current horror hosts, he's probably maybe one of the things to shutter. He's one of the most recognized. Is currently still doing it. He started. He was a, a Dallas reporter he would review movies under the pseudonym uh, the the persona um joe bob briggs um and his whole character was like a a redneck texan that really loved um drive-in movies like cult classic movies you know super Um, cute 
Yeah. And so in the, the movie channel um, had a show called Joe Bob's drive-in theater where he did just that. He would introduce, you know, drive-in B movies and talk about them. And under this whole redneck persona, it went on for a number of years until that was canceled. But then four months later, he went and this is like 1996. He joined monster vision. Like I told you, I saw as a kid, I would watch Joe Bob on monster vision, uh, this, you know, redneck comic talking about, you know, science fiction, late night movies. And I'm like, what is this world you what know? is happening what is happening <laughs> um that lasted only for a few years because by the year 2000 the horror host you know tnt was largely completely uninterested in horror at that point they were like all right no more so he got canceled he was gone fast forward 18 years later back to shutter shutter um did a uh it was called the last drive-in with joe bob briggs where it was a 23 hour straight marathon of bringing him back and he would introduce and he would have totals of like in this movie you can escape have all these crazy things will happen he gives a little review and he talks about it and it goes in and instead of commercial breaks he'll just interject at certain times in the movie and kind of give his opinion you know and like make a joke or something and then get back into the movie um anyway that was so successful shuttered then made it into a show where every episode you get like two movies instead of a you know 23 hour marathon it's now more palatable two movies an episode so um and i bring that all up to say in the quarantine that was this was such a tonic of like every friday having a destination where people could all tune in and like feel connected at this thing of like watching nutso movies it was great and so love that that's still going you know and they got mm-hmm. it was kind of scary it was kind of scary at the end of uh the last episode they still hadn't been renewed and so there was this like question of like is it done is the dream over <laughs> they got renewed it's okay <laughs> is the dream over <laughs> uh, you can go back and watch them uh they're all the episodes are there on shutter shutter tv um <laughs> shutter. this is a non-paid ad <laughs> so yeah that's that's uh that is a modern day horror host that is still going along with sven Gulli, along with Elvira's still doing, you know, tours. Um, I don't, she doesn't have a show anymore, but. She's yeah. around. She's, she's doing around. stuff. She's pretty cool. Another one I found, and this was an 80s era, and I found a lot of, of just videos on YouTube that were like compilations. And this one was based out of Kansas City, and it was um, Cremacia Mortem. <laughs> and she was the host of a show called creature features on like kansas city public television in the 80s um yeah very much elvira like 81 to 88 so the same time frame and i was like i just stumbled on it in researching on youtube and i was like transfixed i was like wow like this is the first the first episode like video i saw she comes out and like the whole set is very much the campy halloween horror she has that that look right that like kind of spooky black hair like kind of vibe and she's talking about the kansas city chiefs Cause that I, speaks to me. I know, know it does. I was born in Kansas City, so I know you have ties to Kansas City. So I was like, "Wow!" And she like goes on this whole thing about like the the Chiefs game that was just playing before her horror show. And I, I was love like, this, "This so much." 
this is saying a lot like this. Is like, like there's a lot going on here. And I really, I was very excited by it, but yeah, super campy, super silly, lots of puns. There was another video of her where she did like silly um, horoscopes. She did like the horoscope for everyone. And they were all like kind of creepy and silly. And I was just like, God, this is wonderful. Like this is prime public access television yeah totally (laughs) like so good 80s man public television public access television in the 80s is a gold mine like 100 yeah but um yeah let's so that was i mean and that was just one i found like we've kind of been talking about like there are a lot like it was a a, lot it was a common thing um for a while for like you said for like these public access stations to literally pull the weather man and for him to like do like a horror segment, which is right. crazy. Like, like so wild that that was a thing. Um, um, it's, it, it's so funny because maybe a lot of those weathermen really did hate the horror movies. <laughs> and so they were genuinely making fun of him, but jokes on them, they kept him alive. By doing I know. It, you know? Right? Um, yeah, so I mean, there, there's there's so many, and I'm sorry if if our if your local horror host did not make our talk list today. Let us know though. Hit us up and yeah, if, if you have a hear. horror host that like means a lot to you, would love to hear about it because, because there's so yeah. So and doing many. this research, I was really both shocked and excited by how ubiquitous of a of a thing this is at mm-hmm. large. The horror host. Um, concept just really took hold for several decades. Which and is- in some way, I mean, it's not always horror. It's 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 more cult B movies, but uh, Mystery Science Theater three thousand is yes, is, yes, is yes. a bit of a knockoff of this too. Knockoff. It's a it's a, a branch of um, the same kind of concept. Yeah, part of this world for sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, totally agree. I guess with some other branching ones we have uh christine mcconnell um she had a a netflix show that was really i thought really charming and fun she would do arts and crafts and baking with like really spooky creations um and it only got one season netflix was you know what's the name of it the show was called the curious creations of christine mcconnell and she um I, I bring this one up because she's not, you know, a, a host in introducing movies, but she is very much a personality. She's very, you know, she looks like a Stepford Wives, you know, uh, mom, but she's making like really spooky creations and there's puppets. It's almost like a spooky Mr. Rogers in a way, like the show. I, love that. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. And I wish the show got, you know, more love because uh, we were a big fan of it. Um, but if you want like a fun, spooky arts and crafts show, check out check out this uh, Netflix or just look at her web show. Cause she's still going, you know, she's, she's got, she's just kind of like an expert in so many different things, upholstery and like craft and like so many different ways, but that's like another like variation of like the, the spooky host personality, I think. Um, yeah, I think so. That's kind of like, and that's honestly where I wanted to, I guess, kind of, you know, finish up this conversation is like, in thinking about the contemporary development of this, like I did find in my research, I found some like internet horror hosts mm-hmm. that seem to 
to be doing the thing, like seem to be like stepping into that same campy, silly, like we're talking about a horror movie kind of vibe with the set that's all spooky and like, and I found a couple of them. One was Blair Bathory, who does a series called Fear House. And I like, I Googled her and I like found her Instagram and stuff. Like she does a lot of just spooky culture stuff for sure. But the only place I could actually find the show was on Facebook. I don't know if it exists other places, but I was able to find it on Facebook and she is, she does like spooky film too, um, like short films, but on Facebook, she does a series that is very much the classic horror host kind of vibe. Like, yeah, it's campy and it's kind of like, silly and awkward at times you know yeah, but like yeah. in the exact same way that like Elvira is you know so like I feel like it's very intentional and so she's clearly trying to keep that alive and um, she has a, a pretty solid following and I found this really random one that was definitely doing the same thing on YouTube this uh, creator Sally the zombie cheerleader um, just doing I YouTube. That. I know. Right. Like I was like, fuck, I love the internet. Um, like, <laughs> like I, and I watched one of her videos and it was very much the horror host vibe. Yeah. Um, you know, that same thing. And I was like, those are the two I was able to find that I felt still really fit in that lineage and a very clear, like we are using this template. Yeah. Um, however, I don't, I, I I could be wrong. Like I said, this isn't like necessarily my wheelhouse. So if you're more of a horror host person and you have information, please let us know. But I couldn't really find much in terms of contemporary. I You know, there's obviously tons of creators out there who are doing spooky things and are right. doing things related to horror. Like that list is never ending but I couldn't find a lot in the internet space that was really mimicking the horror host style. I think, I think nowadays the, the Joe Bob last drive in on um, shutter is maybe the premier best, maybe last, you know, example of that. I do think there are, I think we're seeing maybe the starts of a different, like, it's not explicitly host of, you know, packaged up horror movies and introducing them. But I mean, we have new mediums now of live entertainment, right? So like, yes. you know, twitch.tv, you know, we, we it's it's live playing, not just video games, but also in real life content. You can check us out. Happy Harvest, twitch.tv <laughs> or on Tuesdays <laughs> and Thursdays. But um, it's super fun, you guys. I, I, I show fun. up for a lot of them and. They're really they're I don't even like video games and I have fun. So <laughs> But I mean it's what we're kind of talking about, right? It's a personality yeah. that's there commentating on what uh is happening in the game. And I know like in the horror game space, it's it's really big on, you know, Twitch because mm-hmm. it's fun to watch them get react and get scared and 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 whatnot. But there's also um especially in in the game Dead by Daylight, which is kind of like a uh, uh, multiplayer game that's so popular and it's it's kind of like a greatest hits of horror franchises in this game of like hide and seek it's really fun um but in the drag community it's very big where people will dress up in drag and stream and play you know Love and so it. and i and i've watched a number of them and i and it's like wow this is something new you know it's it's mm-hmm. like in in a way that i'm sure um 
um, kids sitting around the TV in the you know late fifties, maybe are going, "Who is this?" and "What are these movies?" Yeah, I'm now seeing you know a full drag persona, you know, uh, personality commentating and playing and screaming and watching like this horror game that's happening behind them. And that like, makes perfect sense. Like that ties in perfectly because like the drag community is 100% responsible for camp, right? Mm-hmm. Like the drag yeah. community created camp. They, they are who deserve all the credit for camp, like literally. And campy horror is such a thing. So it makes sense that all of these are connected. Yeah. And it's exciting. Um, it's exciting. It's happening in new different ways. Totally. It's- and, and so, yeah, I guess that was, I have like, you know, a handful of little like big questions, um, about just this whole concept. Right. Um, like connect, like, like dealing with that, like one, why were horror hosts such a big thing in like the mid 20th century? Yeah. And why have they kind of faded out? But then also, what does the contemporary horror host look like? Like, because I feel like you're totally right. We have all these new avenues. Like, to some degree, I think what we're doing can be a version of the contemporary horror host, right? It's different. Sure. Yeah. But, like, it's still... It's less theatrical, you know? Yeah, but... yeah, yeah. But, like, it's still kind of having these conversations about like like it's a different it's a different version of it but like i could see it i couldn't potentially make a connection to the lineage right yeah and so i'm intrigued by this idea that for decades there was this clear template of what a horror host was you know what I mean? Yeah. And now, and I now like it's, it's just kind branching of branching like, off into a lot we're of in all movies. these other spaces. And there are these cool people, like I mentioned, like Blair Bathory and Sally, the zombie cheerleader that are keeping that horror host template alive. And I think that's wonderful. Like, I think, I think someone should be doing that. Like, I think that's great. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad that people are, but now we're in a space of just with the internet, so many more avenues. Um, that it doesn't feel like that doesn't that doesn't really exist even in I mean, I don't have cable TV anymore, but like I know for a fact that people with cable TV aren't like sitting around and watching horror hosts. No, night, yeah, I, you know. largely that. Ex- yeah. Example probably does not exist anymore. Exactly. You know? And so like so that there's a there's a question about like how how it was so mainstream and now it's in the internet age moved into niche communities and what is the contemporary horror host? And then additionally, my last question was has, this is a big one. Has the horror host been overtaken by the true crime craze? Well, I think that was kind of already happening in the eighties, right? With, uh, we had like unsolved mysteries. Of, oh, fuck, I love unsolved mysteries. You know, you had um, what I was love the other one? Mysteries. Fact or fiction? I can't remember what the truth or fiction. Um, I can't remember, but uh, if I'm getting, the, I'm, I'm definitely getting the name wrong. But but they're the city. You know, we're gonna bring you spooky true crime. You know, stories and like, and that was kind of taken over. Um, yeah, but I, I don't know. I don't know why it died out. I think it. 
it, it's it's finally coming back in a way. I think in a, a lot for for the not late nineties, early two thousands, horror was just having a bummer time. You know, it was it was uh, it was it was slowly fading out thousand reasons you can look up and then 9-11 happened in 2001 and then we had you know the reaction of it the torture porn you know craze and horror yeah. i think it, it was just it probably just i mean a sour honestly note. that whole that whole craze really turned me off for a long time probably turned a lot of people yeah, off. yeah because i was like such a i was such a fucking spooky kid like i loved in the 90s i loved horror i loved spooky shit i you know i loved the the 90s horror stuff and i really in the early 2000s when we shifted into yeah the torture porn i was like i don't like this like fuck this like and i i stepped completely away from it um because i really did not enjoy it and um and and that's also why i think i have such a deep love for a24 because i think it brought me back like, I think way. it yeah. brought me back and I was like, okay, I do love this stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's um, real. but like, no, that was from my, yeah. In my, I didn't, I did not care for the direction of horror in, uh, circa what, 2005 to 2015. Like, I don't, yeah, that, that yeah, definitely. I think that, yeah, I think that's, that's maybe you know, I don't know the exact, it was probably a lot of different factors that played into it, but I think maybe this is one of them that if for a while it was, it was taboo maybe to like it, you know, even though it was huge and was mainstream, it made a lot of money. You know, we talk mm-hmm. about, yeah, totally. Uh, all those saw movies made game buster, you know? So, and I went and saw them all. So, um, I sent you that tweet the other day. Jigsaw wouldn't scare me either because I'll just die. That's fine. I'm not doing your little pranks. I'm not doing your little pranks. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, like, get fuck out of that here. guy. <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> I think, I think it, more than anything, it just evolved, right? I think we yeah. just needed a little time away for a minute to see it evolve, right? That I think we're talking now with, with Twitch that that's now its own avenue. We're getting the actual literal version of it with like the last drive-in on Shutter, Like that it was what it was. And now it's a premiere version of that. We're also getting it in podcast, I think with like, yes, uh, you know, introducing spooky things. Um, very popular, you know, lore is a very popular one, um, but he's not, I mean, he's a personality, Aaron Mankey's, you know, he's, but he's the character. I'm Aaron Mankey. That's the one. <laughs> That's the one. Great. Imp- yeah, it's great. Um, I love, I love you, Aaron Mankey. Like, no disrespect. Laura's <laughs> <laughs> huge. Love it. I know. Um, Laura's fantastic. Um, but other ones, you know, there's other ones that like, like, uh, No Sleep Podcast, which I'm a fan of, um, which they, they have write in, you know, original stories and they read them and they like reenact them on like little radio plays and they're really fun. But like, even the ads at the beginning, they turn it into like a scary ad that they're like, that. you know, like, oh my gosh, we're the killer's right outside. What do we do? <laughs> like, well, you can eat some five gum or something like, you know, like, <laughs> Um, it's like things like that, that I really appreciate that this, that, that echoes what we're talking about, you know, that like has a fun tongue in cheek energy along with it. I guess that's why, where this question really even comes from though, is like, I think, I think we're all aware that the true crime craze is at the top, right? The true crime podcast, but Mm -hmm. also, and I think the connection for me 
is because we're talking about these horror hosts as being like on television, right? That like people can like, you know, gather around the TV and watch and true crime is all over TV, like Dateline, Dateline, like, you know, like, like primetime television is there's a lot it's like all true crime like there's a lot of true crime and so that's also where i see that connection like just in the setting of imagining in the 1950s a family watching vampira introduce this horror movie i i think now families sit around and watch dateline or you know sure um and so i'm like has that has that weirdly is it connected is it of the same yeah exactly exactly is it connected maybe it's not maybe you know like question it's are they separate things but are they sharing they're kind of going to do the same thing i mean at that point like we said are we horror hosts like what are we what what am i (laughs) existential end of this episode <laughs> Wait, who am I though? Who am I? Am I a am I a horror host in 2021? Is that what's happening here? Am I vampire? Yeah, exactly. It makes me feel like I need to dye my hair black and like put on a corset and like really like push my boobs up. But like, like but like maybe that'd be fun for an episode. Like maybe I should dress up as Elvira for an episode. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, and yeah, and I guess that's also that's also part of it too, because the the horror host from the 1950s all the way through the 1980s and, and even you know into like the 90s and stuff, part of it was this very like creating this very like spooky, campy set, right? Mm-hmm. And like and we talk about this, like I'm surrounded by plants and I'm just like living in my house, but like, I want to talk about these things. Right. So it's like, there's in the content, at least we're making, there's this kind of transition to the way that it's being presented or to the variations in the way that's being presented. Because like I said, there are people out there that I think are really emulating the classic horror host. And I think that's great. I think that's a, a a wonderful thing. And then I think there are lots of different people that are kind of taking different approaches to examining horror and expressing their enjoyment and love for horror in a fun way. Um, So it's like, yeah. So it's like, I, I guess ultimately it's just like, it seems to me that there was a very clear template for what a horror host was. And a horror host was there to create an entire environment of like spooky energy and like in a fun, campy kind of silly way, show a a horror film and like share that. And now we're moving into a space because of the internet, because of Twitch, because of all of these different avenues where you have people expressing their love for horror in a lot of different ways. That there's and no I'm template like, anymore. Exactly. There's no I template. I think that's anymore. the answer to your question is that the template is kind of thrown out the window. And that's- yeah. Totally, totally. But but even though the template's thrown out the window, it's still part of the lineage, I think. Yeah. You know? There's still a knowledge that what came before. Yeah. 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 
You know what I'm trying to say? Does that make sense? I yeah. I don't know. Listeners, if you know what we're trying to say, just <laughs> you can write us in at Happy Harvest Horror Show at gmail.com. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I feel like this episode ended up being um really self-reflective. Yeah, <laughs> self-reflective, introspective, self-aware. Um yeah, in terms of like, uh, what is what is a horror host, and and do we fall into this lineage? Um, but would love to hear any of your thoughts, and would definitely love to hear if you have like a favorite. Yeah, a favorite horror host. We would love to hear about them because they're all such characters, <laughs> and we love them. Yeah, we love them. Um, happy harvest horror show at gmail.com. Like I said, I stand Crypt Keeper and also Bill Hader as Vincent Price. That's like my that's real. <laughs> that's like oh, that's the energy. That's the energy I want in my life. Is like not even Vincent Price, Bill Hader as Vincent Price. Is <laughs> like that. Which I think Vincent Price was a host for for um, a minute. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. He did shit. He did like horror hosting. Vincent Price did a few things. Yeah, um, in <laughs> the handful, spooky you know, field. Yeah, he did a lot. We'll do a Vincent Price episode. One hundred percent. There's there's no way. Like Vincent we Price. can't not talk about. It. I I have things to say about Vincent Price. I have feelings. Um, <laughs> uh oh. Uh oh. Well, stay tuned. <laughs> But thank you for listening to our episode about horror hosts. This is a really fun topic. And um, yeah, we'd just like like to know your thoughts on the nature of, of horror and expressing love for horror and in, in the relationship between horror and camp. I think yeah. that is huge. And yeah, fun conversation. Thank you for being here. We really love you all. Yeah. Hope to see you next time. Uh, we're going to this spooky season. It's it's basically Halloween, everybody. It's happening. We're like gearing, like I feel it. I feel it's it. Like I literally Halloween. was in the bathtub today and like a chill breeze came in through the window and I was like, hello, Autumn. Like, hello, Autumn. <laughs> it was like a moment of like, it's coming you are welcome um, here <laughs> come into my home <laughs> so yeah we're we're gearing up for some big spooky season content and yeah we love you we're happy you're here and we'll catch y'all next time bye bye